they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome on this Tuesday afternoon. Today is the 18th day of February, and we have some great readings here today. Oh, they're fantastic. Yeah. Jess and I did James, but you're going to do James and the Gospel. And the Gospel. We're going to do them both. You I know, like your style. The letter of James. You know, that was a letter that um, certain reformers didn't oh, like got, so much. We talked about that. Yeah. yeah get so rid of it. Yeah. We got it here. James 1, 12 through 18. Mm-hmm. Blessed is he who perseveres in temptation. For when he has been proven, he will receive the crown of life Mm -hmm. that he promised to those who love him. No one experiencing temptation should say, I'm being tempted by God. For God is not subject to temptation to evil, and he himself tempts no one. Rather, each person is tempted when lured and enticed by his desire. Mm -hmm. Then desire conceives and brings forth sin. And when sin reaches maturity, it gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters. All good giving and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no alteration or shadow caused by change. He willed to give us birth by the word of truth that we may be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So James is telling us here we're supposed to persevere in temptation. What does he mean? Persevere in the grace of God in the midst of temptation. All right. When, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, God had given man a gift called integration. It was above and beyond his nature. And by integration... All of the faculties of the body were subject perfectly to the intellect. And the intellect clearly saw that God was the true good that man was made to choose. So the will could choose God above all created goods. Well, when we lost that gift, which was above and beyond our nature, wasn't owed to us, integration, then man can mistake created goods of this world for the true good, God. And we can choose the created goods over God. And that's... Wrong. It's not right. All wrongdoing is sin. So we want to persevere in God's grace. And that's what baptism gives us. When we were baptized, we were given God's grace. We want to persevere in that. Can I jump in for a second? Yeah. You just nailed it when you said baptism. See, call on your baptismal graces. Yeah. When you have temptation, okay, whether it's looking at pornography or doing something horrible and sinful, say, I want to call on the presence of God, the grace of the sacrament of baptism. And I might add, since we have a big problem in marriage, those of us who get tempted with our marriages, they say, oh, i got to find a better husband, a better wife, but the girl at this, this is much better than that. Call on the grace of the sacrament of matrimony. Many times when you have struggles, temptations with your marriage, yeah. call on the sacrament. This is just sound principles that the church has been giving us for hundreds, if not a thousand years. Right. And and by the way, confession, confession isn't just for the forgiveness of sins. It's to strengthen us mm-hmm. against temptation so that when we experience temptation, we'll it. have the grace. So go to frequent confession. Pope John Paul II said devotional confession. We need to return to devotional confession. What is it? devotional confession? What is he talking about? 
Well, we're only obliged to confess mortal sins, right? Yeah, well, you're, you're, you know, you're only obliged to go to the doctor when you're in danger of dying. But if you wait till you're in danger of dying, do you think the doctor is necessarily going to be able to save you? Mm-hmm. Maybe you should do some preventative medicine or maintenance. Yeah. Well, the same with our souls. We need to do the preventative, and that's devotional confession. We confess our venial sins. Mm-hmm. It strengthens us against temptation yeah. so that we don't fall into mortal sin. And I would say on that same topic, if someone asked us how often should you be going to confession, St. John Paul II tells us at least once a month. Right. Right, exactly, at least once a month. At least. Yeah, this is what the church councils. And by the way, there are many saints who went every day or at least weekly. Yep, St. John Paul too. Yeah, and there were saints who went every day. So, (laughs) you know, so then James goes on. For when you have been proven, when a man has been proven, he will receive the crown of life, the promise of those who love him. Well, that's interesting here. In this sentence, he is telling us that not giving into temptation is a way of showing that we love God. Really? So when we're exactly. tempted, instead of being afraid of the temptation, yep. just say, you know what, God, I acknowledge that I'm tempted to this, but I love you and I want to love you and I want to show my love for you by not giving into this. I want to add that to the practical level of husband and wife. Yeah. Same principle. I'm faithful to her for over 30 some years, Thank right? Thank you, God. Because of the grace of the sacrament and my fidelity is a sign of my love for her. Absolutely. And vice versa. Vice versa. And I, we renew our marriage vows on a regular basis. You say the words and renew them. The same with your baptismal vows. Say the words. And that, make the act of contrition every day and ask for the grace to triumph over temptation. Amen. If you don't do it, fine. Just humble yourself before the <laughs> Lord. And Lord, that's me. Without your grace, I'm weak. I'm little. Sure. Even if I ask for the grace, yeah, I'm weak and little. And I'm capable of choosing the wrong thing. So forgive me and help me to get up again, you know? It's not, it's funny because you said to Jesse, you said, well, would you only wash your car once a year? Yeah. Well, hey, people, let me give you a more graphic example. Okay. Would you only take a bath once a year? No way. Confession is for the soul what bathing is for the body. Do you only take a bath when you go out and are covered in the mud and have been out mudding all day and are just caked from head to foot? You know, do you only take a bath when you're almost dead from the dirt that's on you? Well, you know what? then why are you only going to confession once a year, twice a year, three times, even even once every three months? Yeah. You know, people would be horrified if, if you said to them, oh, you know, out in the country, they used to joke, you know, the old farmers, you know. Yeah. Well, look, I took a bath last spring. It's the dead of winter right now. I'll take a bath in the spring. Don't expect me to die of pneumonia. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know it was just a joke. They, they took farmer baths. Yeah. But the deal is, yeah, what about what we do for our bodies? People bathe every single day. Some people bathe twice a day. Right. And yet you won't go to confession once a week? Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, guys, so t- James is telling us, you know, temptation doesn't come from God. God doesn't tempt us. He's not evil. He doesn't subject us to evil in terms of temptation. The temptation comes from ourselves and our own desires. And it could also come from the devil or the, okay. the world. That's the right. world can definitely attack us. Sure. And, you know, say, oh, well, you know, you can think about God tomorrow. You have so much to do today. So many sports you know, events, so many entertainments you have to you know, you have to go to work, you have to earn money, all these things that distract us from our primary duty, which is to serve the Lord God. He's not called the tempter for nothing. Yeah, Satan is not called the tempter for nothing. Believe me, he prowls, what was it, Peter says, he prowls about like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. Resist him solid in your faith. But the good news is we've got the grace to say no to ourselves. This is something I want to bring up because in the world we live in, and sometimes in the, even in the church, they don't want to acknowledge that you have the freedom 
to say no to yourself. You know, they think that somehow you're just a product of in your environment and you can't really be a culpable for your sins because X, Y, and Z. But I, I want to say that there are circumstances that, yes, can mitigate the sinfulness. But on the other hand, I think that we've gone to an extreme where people try to make excuses for sinful. Well, I, I, I was, I, you know, whatever excuse you come up with. Right. These are excuses. Yeah. We need to acknowledge that with grace, all is possible. All is possible. And grace does give us the power to triumph over sin. Yeah. Um, remember, sometimes we don't want to overcome the sin. St. Augustine, the famous prayer of St. Augustine, you know, when he first started his conversion, he said, and he realized he had to give up being unchaste. And he said, okay, Lord, make me chaste, but not just yet. I love it. You know, well, (laughs) mine is, uh, okay, Lord, make me temperate, you know, but not just yet. You know, I'd like, I'd like to have that other bag of chocolate that's sitting over there. (laughs) You know, God have mercy. I mean, you you know, it's not good for you, but, and yeah, they're little things, but we have the power to overcome. Amen. So we strive for it every day. So, and remember St. Paul told us in the letter to the Romans, the wages of sin are death. And yep. what does St. James say? You know, when we give in to sin, then we give in to our desires and that brings forth sin. And when we give in to then that sin, when it comes to maturity, brings forth death. The wages of sin is death. Remember, God told Adam and Eve, if you eat from that tree, you will die. He didn't mean physical death. He meant you will lose my grace and you will no longer be my friends, my children in grace you're going to lose grace. Your souls will be dead. And that's what happens with sin. Our souls will die when we commit mortal sin. And venial sin makes them sick. Yep. yep. Keep going. I was going to make, uh, well, I'm going to just say it, honey. For those who are listening and brand new, say, well, what do you mean? Uh, how was it before Adam and Eve? Mm. Can you uh, just set the stage what we call the preternatural gifts that were, how was it before the fall for man and for woman? Well, before the fall, they had infused knowledge. Yep. They knew things. They knew the, the, the essence of things. They knew things by intuition. Mm-hmm. It was there. They, they, they had no concupiscence. So there was no, the flesh wasn't striving against the spirit in order to pull them down. Mm-hmm. They had perfect control of their flesh. Their intellect wow. clearly saw that God was the good they were made to choose mm-hmm. so that their will could freely choose God above all created things, no matter how beautiful they were. And they understood that all of creation, so all of the faculties of their body were perfectly subject to their intellect and will. That was the gift of integration. No illness, no death. They would never be sick. They weren't going to die. They were going to live on this earth and have a natural life. And all of those gifts were lost that, you know, that, that we have to strive hard now to learn things. We have to giving birth by, we, yeah, women will give birth in, in pain. Men will have to farm and, and that the soil will bring forth for you thorns and thistles instead yep. of the food you need to eat. You know, Mary, we gave a recommendation on the Terry and Jesse show that individuals should read the entire book of James. Absolutely. It's such a short book. Yes. Would you agree that that is a, a book that yeah. should be read often? Absolutely. We absolutely, you know, the, the scriptures are God's word and James is a very powerful letter. Oh, yes. And it's, it's a short letter. It's not a long one. You can read it in half an hour, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Matter so. of fact, I told everybody Ken Hensley did a three hour commentary and he was on Gary Machuda's show earlier on Virgin Most Powerful. People want to get a download of that. Just call us at 877-526-2151 because we want to have you steeped in scripture. We want you to be a high information Catholic. Do we have more for James when we come back? Just a little bit more for James, and we'll do the gospel, and then we'll get into our topic of infant baptism. Oh, I can't wait. We got lots to talk about You're listening to The Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Make sure you take a look at our website for all the events that are coming up by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org. Go under events. 
right back. This is Matthew Arnold for Virgin Most Powerful Radio. This March, VMPR, in association with the Catholic Resource Center, will be hosting a special conference for the Adoramus Society. Adoramus at the Triduum, a conference on the spirituality of the Triduum liturgies, featuring speakers Father Joseph Fessio, Dr. Anthony Lillis, and Christopher Carstens, addressing such topics as developing a liturgical spirituality, the spirituality of Holy Thursday, the spirituality of Good Friday, and the spirituality of the Paschal Vigil and Easter season. It all takes place March 14, 2020, at the historic Sacred Heart Chapel at 381 West Center Street, Covina, California, 91723. You can register online at vmpr.org or call now at 877-526-2151 to reserve your seat today for Adoramus at the Triduum. Psalm 119 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. According to St. John Paul II, being a Christian means saying yes to Jesus Christ. It consists in surrendering to the Word of God and relying on it, but also endeavoring to know better and better the profound meaning of this Word. May God grant that we always rely on His Word, read it often, and put it into practice. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, thank you, Matthew, for welcoming us back. And um, here we have the last paragraph of this reading from the letter of James today. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers and sisters. All good giving and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no alteration or shadow caused by change. Mm. He willed to give us birth by the word of truth that we may be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wow. So anything that is good comes from God, and we thank him for it. Any good we do comes from God, and we thank him for it. Everything that's good comes from God. And by the way, God did not make evil. He didn't make sin, and he didn't make death. All right, those things came into the world because man allowed his trust in God to die in his heart, Believe, listen to the tempter who was a liar and a murderer from the beginning, Jesus said, mm-hmm. and, and, and he turned away from God. So yeah, God made, what God made is good. Everything is good. And God doesn't change. God's not changing. He, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, there's no change. And he willed to give us birth through the word of truth so that we could be the first fruits of his creatures. 
So we are a first fruits of God's creation because Jesus Christ came to save us and Jesus Christ came to restore to the Father everything that had been estranged from the Father by sin. And just not to belabor the point, but God can actually bring good out of the evil that goes on in the world. So when you say these evil things and you see God uses this, uh, he doesn't waste it. In other words, he can bring good out of evil. Absolutely. We make bad decisions. Right. And so there you go. Mary, I, I know we've got the gospel and then the infant baptism. Boy, I can't wait to hear that. Yeah, infant baptism. It's a great, great it's topic. It's coming. So we have um, in, in the gospel today is from Mark eight fourteen through 21. Mm-hmm. And the disciples had forgot to bring bread in the boat. Now, remember, this is just after the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes. All right. Mm-hmm. So a few things I want to point out. So Jesus tells them to watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. And the leaven of Herod. And the, 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 the apostles are thinking, oh, we forgot to bring bread. He's reprimanding us. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is like, come on, you guys. Do you have eyes and not see? <laughs> Do you have ears and not hear? Is mm-hmm. your heart hardened? Are you unable to understand or comprehend? Come on. And then, by the way, for those who think that there was only one miracle of the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes, please keep in mind Mark 14 through 20, Mark chapter 8, 14 through 21. Mm-hmm. Because what does Jesus do here? And I think it's important because I've heard, I've heard this in sermons. Oh, well, there was only one multiplication of the loaves, but it's told two different ways. Nope. Well, according to Jesus, he says, so do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many wicker baskets full <laughs> of fragments had were picked up? And they answered 12. Oh, when I broke seven loaves for 4,000, how many full baskets of fragments did you pick up? And they answered him, seven. Do you still not understand? So Jesus clearly is pointing to two separate incidences where he worked the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. So there were two incidences. You know, get, get your gospel right. Make sure that you know and understand here. Mary, also I've heard homilies, and you've been with me over the years, unfortunately, that somehow think it was the generosity of the individuals where the bread was and the fish and all this was multiplied and it wasn't a miracle. It was just, you know, people being generous. And and that always makes me uh, cringe when I hear that because <laughs> the idea of explaining away all these miracles of Jesus, it really undermines the faith. So I just pray for priests that I've heard them say that yes. because that's not what the church teaches. It's not only not what the church teaches. It's not, the scriptures don't, they don't warrant that interpretation. Nope. In the one instance, the people had been with him for three days. Mm. They didn't have refrigeration. They didn't have thermoses. They didn't have insulated uh, lunch bags. Really? You know, (laughs) you didn't, you carried your food for the day with you if you could. You didn't carry food for three days. It wouldn't keep. So, no, the people weren't carrying food in their cloaks. They didn't have it. The whole point of it was that they didn't have anything. Mm-hmm. And yes, the, the reality is that it points to the fact of God's solicitous care for us, even for our bodies, yes. and that, yes, he can provide everything we need, mm-hmm. even if we haven't provided for ourselves. Wow. And it is definitely a miracle. It's a miracle. And, and yes, Jesus Christ could work miracles. And it's interesting because throughout the centuries, in answer to the prayers of the saints, God has worked miracles. Even today we hear him. Even today. Yep. All the time. And you're like, so Jesus couldn't work miracles? How is this? Well, yeah, it's just not, it doesn't, the the text doesn't warn it. It doesn't support that. But the the, the thing is, is we we put our trust in Jesus. And Mm -hmm. the whole point of it is the leaven that he's warning about, what we're supposed to guard against is that hypocrisy, that hardness of heart, not just hypocrisy, but hardness of heart against God. 
the unwillingness to forgive, the, uh, you know, the unwillingness to turn to God and humble ourselves to say, mm. Lord, I need you. Herod, the Pharisees, they didn't need the Lord. They had, the Pharisees had the law. Herod, of course, had his kingship and the Roman Empire to support him. You know, so he didn't need God. He was going to do whatever he wanted. And, and as long as Rome didn't object to it, he was doing great. Uh, the Pharisees were, were locked into their pride and they thought that they had the law. And as long as they kept. And what was interesting is they didn't have the law as God had given it to them. They had the law that they had used to replace God's law. They had their own man-made laws that they had replaced God's law with. Like, you know, if you say that what you're, you had, what support you were going to give to your parents is Korban, that is dedicated to the temple, then you don't have to support your parents. And Jesus said, uh, you negated God's law to, to replace it with your own. So we want our hearts to belong to the Lord and we want to trust the Lord and we want to ask him to open our eyes and open our ears, open our eyes so that we can see, open our ears to hear and give us a heart that can love. Don't harden, don't let us have hardened hearts, Lord. Mm. So, yeah, real miracles. God's in the business of miracles. He <laughs> did them then. He can still do them. He was doing them in the Old Testament, by the way. Yep. You know, so, yeah, there's there's lots of room for miracles in in our lives because God is good and he loves us. Very good. So, Mary, before you go to your infant mm-hmm. baptism, I'd like to give an inspirational story that you and I heard last night on the Internet about some Lebanese boys and children. Could you share that story? It's, it was actually um, three girls and a, and a boy. Yep. And what happened in Lebanon, not in Lebanon, they lived in Australia. Yes, Australia. And these, were, these are young people. The youngest was eight years old. The oldest was 14 or 15. That was the boy. He was the oldest. And they come from two separate families. The, the boy and two of the girls were from one family, and the other little girl was from another family. Very devout families. They prayed their rosary. They taught their children to love God. They worked in the soup kitchen. They served. They loved to give. The one, the little eight-year-old girl for her birthday, she said, instead of a party, Mama, I want to go work in the soup kitchen wow. for my birthday. So that's what they did for her birthday. They went and they served. Yes. And so th- this, this tremendous giving, loving family with the, that raised these tremendous giving, loving children. And these children were tragically run down by a driver. They were killed. Oh. And um, But you know what? what? What rocked the nation, really rocked me. It's hard enough when you see... Four children killed in, a, in, a, in one fell swoop when a car hits all four of them. There were others injured. One is still fighting for their life. But the parents said, we do not hold hatred in our hearts for the driver of the car. Wow. We forgive the driver. And that's, you know, are we striving for that? And you know, Mary, that's what converted the early pagans to Christianity. I say this, the first 300 years, every decade, every 10 years... The church doubled. It was because they never had seen that kind of love. Right. And the willingness to forgive your enemies. Yeah. Christianity, the Catholic Church and Christianity, are that's the only religion that preaches forgiveness of enemies. Right. Even Judaism, you know, it was an eye for an eye and a tooth right. for a tooth. Revenge. And, and no, for, for, for the Christian, it's not. Mm. We pray for our enemies and pray for those who persecute us and... We lift them up to the Lord in prayer and ask, and ask. And these beautiful children, you know, Jesus, have mercy on their souls. They, according to their parents, they, they lived tremendously devout lives. They were prayerful. They were loving. They were giving. They were trying to serve the Lord yeah. and do his will, and especially to serve him in the poor, in the least of his brethren. So, you know, what did Jesus say? You know, whatever you did for the least of my brothers, you did to me. Mm-hmm. So we pray that they're, they're in heaven and that they can pray for us that we too would be willing to serve and to give and to be as generous 
and and also to pray for the family for their consolation. Believe me, to leave that's to lose loss. to lose three children in one instant, and that's the one family did. The other one lost the one, their daughter, and the the mother of the other daughter said that she you know she never had any attachment to anything in this world. That's amazing. And she seemed so her her whole heart was so set on the Lord that she was always focused on the Lord. It was it was as if she didn't belong to this world. And it's a powerful only, story. She was only 12, 13, maybe 14 years old. I can't remember the exact ages, but just, these are young people. That inspired me, and I hope that story inspired, inspired all you. of you. Yeah, yeah. So we want to talk about infant baptism. And I know sometimes people question the Catholic Church, you know, why do you baptize infants? Why would you baptize an infant? There's nothing wrong with that. I've heard people say, there's nothing wrong with that child. Um, they, they can't make a choice. You know, you have to choose God. Well, it's interesting. When God created Adam and Eve, he created them in grace. Mm-hmm. They were immaculately created. But when they sinned, they lost that grace. And that, you know, look at Romans 5. It's very clear. Through Adam's sin, sin entered the world and with sin, death. And all of us share in that sin. That's very clear from the Bible. So we all have original sin. And one of the great misunderstandings, and I think actually our youngest son pointed this out to me last night, is that one of the reasons Protestants don't really understand why Catholics, some Protestants don't understand why Catholics still baptize infants is they really don't understand what original sin is. And, and with, the, with the Protestant Reformation and the rejection of the authority of the church, there was some confusion brought in about what original sin really is. And, and there was also an equate, equating of temptation with sin. And that's you know, two different topics, but important to understand. Original sin is that sin where Adam and Eve were created in the state of grace. When they sinned, they lost grace. So they don't have God's grace. All we as human beings can pass on to our children is natural life, mm-hmm. the body, the life of the body. Only God can create a mor- an immortal soul, and only God can give us his grace. So our children are born, by the way, yes, there is something wrong with that baby. Maybe not physically, but something we can't see. We don't see the immortal soul of the person, but their soul doesn't have the grace of God. It doesn't have the life of God. Mm-hmm. We are all born enemies of God. Not because of a personal choice, no, but because of original sin, because of a choice of Adam and Eve, and then that choice is passed on. And so we have to come back to God, and God made the means for us to come back. And what was that means? Well, baptism. He gave us baptism. And it's interesting. Some people will say, well, why do you baptize infants? Why should we? They can't choose for themselves. Well, when God gave Abraham circumcision, Abraham was an adult, right? Okay, you know, when Jesus preached the gospel, he was preaching to adults. Most of the people baptized, most, Mm -hmm. you notice I say most, were adults, okay? But God told Abraham that every male born to him and his line was to be circumcised on the eighth day after their birth. So that circumcision was a sign of the covenant with God. That circumcision was a sign of their entering into the family of God. So in the Old Testament, God granted that every infant born or every proselyte who came into Judaism would be enter into the covenant family of God through circumcision. Well, said Mary, when we come back, the Bible does talk about entire families being baptized. I think that's right in our book in the early church 
that's what we did. So we're going to have much, much more showing you infant baptism is a biblical teaching on the Bible with the Barbers. We'll be right back with much, much more to help you fall deeper in love with Jesus. We finally did it. We have a Catholic Mental Health Conference on April 25th, 2020, here at the Sacred Heart Chapel with Dr. Louis Sandoval. He's going to be speaking on the basics of mental illness versus what we consider normal. Number one, he's going to go on the basics of mental illness versus what we consider normal. Second hour, depression, anxiety versus oppression and obsession. The third hour, bipolar disorders. Oh my gosh, infestation and possession. He's going to talk on mental health with the spiritual aspect. Number four, talk will be on drug use. Altered mental status versus demonic influence. I want to hear that talk. I hope you do too. Go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call us at 877-526-2151. The date is April 25th, 2020. Be there by calling 877-526-2151. God bless you. This is Terry Barber. I want to thank you for supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And here's an easy way to support us by going to smile.amazon.com and type in Catholic Resource Center or Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And when you log in your Amazon account and you purchase products, a portion of it will go right back in supporting Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And it doesn't cost you a dime. I want to thank you ahead of time because that supports us year-round. May God bless you and your family. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow, that's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you, Jesse, for bringing us back. (laughs) And Terry mentioned before the break that in the um, scriptures, we have instances of entire households being baptized. Yep. And um, the first one, I think, is in Acts of the Apostles, when Peter is sent to Cornelius' house. Mm -hmm. Remember, Peter was the first one who preached to the Gentiles. Um, resisted a little bit, but the Lord told him, no, <laughs> go. And Cornelius' entire household was baptized. Yep. And then you have Paul in Acts 16 when he's in Philip, I believe it was, and he's in prison. And he, the jailer, um, he talks to the jailer, and the jailer and his entire household are baptized. Again, in Acts 18, you have an entire household. In 1 Corinthians 1, 16. These are all places where entire households were baptized. Now, you could assume that there were no children in that society, but I think if you go back and look at that society, that wouldn't be a fair assumption. No, it wouldn't. And so, and it's interesting. So you have the Old Testament where 
Jesus, or God, when he established this covenant with Abraham, mm-hmm. told Abraham that the boys would be ba- would circumcised on the eighth day after their birth, that would bring them into the covenant family of God, then why when God established his, when Jesus Christ comes, when, when the second person of the Blessed Trinity comes, becomes Jesus Christ, and establishes his church, why would he no longer welcome infants into his church? Do we have any evidence in the gospel of Jesus welcoming the children? Um, by the way, who were the ones who tried to chase the children away? Exactly. Oh, the apostles. (laughs) We got, we had this problem from the beginning, people. It it, it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. We still have this problem. You know, take them away, take them away. The master's tired. And Jesus said, no, let the little children come to me. For to such as these belongs the kingdom of heaven. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so Jesus loves the children. He welcomes them. And so we have, and by the way, that this whole you know reality of infant baptism, we have um, from the beginning the practice of infant baptism is Im, of immemorial tradition in the church, mm-hmm. and this is the para- Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph one two five two, twelve fifty two, and so there's definite evidence of it by the second century writing about infant baptism, defending infant baptism, and as a matter of fact, the only controversy in the fathers of the church about infant baptism was not whether or not you could baptize infants. There was a controversy, but the question was, well, if baptism is the new circumcision and it replaces circumcision by baptism being the means by we come into the covenant family of God, become his children, then can we baptize before the eighth day? Mm -hmm. I mean, circumcision was on the eighth day. Mm -hmm. And the answer from the church was a resounding yes. We don't have to wait for the eighth day for baptism. That was, God had his, you know, that, that was the circumcision. But we don't have to wait for that for baptism. We can baptize before the eighth day. So there wasn't a controversy about whether or not children could be baptized. The question was, can they be baptized before the eighth day? And the answer was yes. Well, why baptize infants? And in paragraph 1250, 1250 of the catechism, it says, again, we're talking about original sin. Born with a fallen human nature and tainted by original sin, children also have need of the new birth and baptism to be freed from the power of darkness and brought into the realm of freedom of the children of God. Do you hear what the church is saying? We want to share in the freedom of the children of God. And yes, this is biblical language to which all men are called. The sheer gratuitousness of grace of salvation is particularly manifest in infant baptism. Yeah, this baby's done nothing to merit anything, and yet God is bestowing his grace upon this child through baptism. The church and the parents would deny a child the priceless grace of becoming a child of God were they not to confer baptism shortly after birth. So is there something wrong with that child? Yeah, he's a creature of God, but he's not God's child. He's not his adopted child in the son. We become sons in the son through baptism. So Christian parents will recognize that this practice also accords with their role as nurturers of the life that God has entrusted to them. So as Christians, we bring our children to baptism because of original sin, recognizing original sin, that God gave us so many graces and oops, we, we lost them mm-hmm. we lo- and we lose them through sin. Original sin made us enemies of God. Baptism brings us back and makes us. Um, and what is this grace that God gives? 
Grace is a participation in the life of God. Mm. It introduces us into the intimacy of the Trinitarian life. By baptism, the Christian participates in the grace of Christ, the head of his body. As an adopted son, he can henceforth call God Father. Mm. Because of baptism, we can call God Father. In union with the only Son, he receives the life of the Spirit who breathes charity into him and who forms the church. So we receive grace from God. Mm-hmm. And that's, I can't give grace to my children of myself. Only God can give the grace, and he does give it. And I said, I, I kind of compared baptism with circumcision, saying that baptism was the new circumcision. And some people might be sitting there saying, well, who are you? And where do you get that idea? Well, Colossians 2.11, where Paul talks about the reality that baptism is the new circumcision, that in the new covenant, baptism replaces circumcision. But remember, the circumcision, yeah, it was, even circumcision was an external operation, all right? But Paul talks about in Romans, the circumcision of the heart accomplished by the Holy Spirit in Romans 2, 29 and in other places. He talks about this. The circumcision is not just, it's not to be just an external practice. It's to be a matter of the heart where we give our hearts totally to God. And this is true also of baptism. You know, when you have a child baptized, Mm -hmm. it's not enough just to have them baptized and go through the external practice. We have to do the hard work of catechizing that child. You know, when, when an adult is brought into the church, they have to go through a process of catechesis before they receive baptism, if they haven't been baptized. But even if they've been baptized before they receive other sacraments, they have to go through a process of catechesis. That's right. That's right. So when a child is baptiz- baptized as an infant, they have to go through a process of catechesis. We need to teach them what it means that they have become children of God, brothers and sisters of Christ, temples of the Holy Spirit, heirs to the kingdom of heaven, and members of the church. We're members of the body of Christ. So by baptism, we're brought into the covenant family of God. And God is our father. Jesus Christ is our brother. And Jesus gave us a mother, his own mother, to be our mother also. And so we want our children to grow up in this. And, um, you know, people will say different things about infant baptism. And, and, and again, if, if in the Old Testament, God allowed children to be circumcised without the child's consent? Yeah. Are we doing them a disservice? Are we doing some kind of a punishment to them by baptizing them? No. We're, we're giving them the grace of God. It is, it's not we. God gives them the grace through the sacrament. God established the sacraments as means of grace. So he gives his grace through the sacraments, and now that child has been given the opportunity to receive the grace of God. So if you don't baptize your infants, you're denying them the opportunity to receive the grace of God. I might also add, maybe at the time you had your children, you were not an active Catholic, and you might have not given that you know, food for your children, spiritual food, and catechizing them when they were young, and now they're adults. It's not too late. Right. As a parent, you can still encourage your children that are adults to study the faith. I would personally, I've had this conversation with many adults who said, I wasn't practicing at the time and I feel terrible. Well, have that conversation with your adult kids 
Say, I really you know, apologize. I didn't know better, but now I do. And I really would ask you to study the faith that you've been given because I apologize. I, I wasn't in a position to do that when you were young, but it's never too late. Right. And here's the deal. The sacraments work by virtue of the work done. And I believe that's ex opere operata. Yeah. But that's by virtue of the work done. But they also work another way. Ex opere operantus. That means by virtue of the disposition of the receiver. So if you don't know the fullness of what that sacrament avails to you, then all the grace of that sacrament doesn't become active in you. So we conti- that's why we continue to study our faith. That's why we do this radio program, to continue to study the faith, because we have to be constantly growing. In the spiritual life, it's constant growth. So don't lament the past in terms of, I'm sorry, for, this is what we do. Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. I'm not going to get stuck there. I give my sins to you. I give my weaknesses mm-hmm. to you. And I realize that even my weaknesses become a means for you to help me to grow in dependence on you, to realize that I need you. And yeah, make up for lost time. My mother, my mother grew up in the country in Minnesota and her father was a Catholic. Her mother was a Lutheran, but she eventually converted to the Catholic faith. But they were out eight miles from town. They didn't always get to mass on Sunday. And my mother, they never really catechized. She said the only precept of the church we really kept with any regularity was not to eat meat on Friday. Uh. And the reason was is because we were just too poor to do it. Uh. We didn't eat meat every day. We didn't right. have it. And it was really good. You know, if, if, if people, company came on Friday, grandma could say, well, I, we don't eat meat on Friday. We're Catholic in this house. Yeah. <laughs> and the reality is, is I can't afford to feed everybody who comes to my house meat. Now I can give you vegetables. I grow them in the garden. Right. You know, I can give you the fruit. I pick off the tree. And my mom said when she got to be 26 and she was in the city and she was like, you know what? I want to know this, this faith that I you know, was baptized in, but don't really know. So she, there was a Paulist um, parish there. The Paulist priest had the parish. And she went and knocked on the door and she said, Father, I've saved up the money. I want to pay you to give me instructions in the faith. Father laughed. <laughs> said, Why did you think you had to pay to get instructions in the faith? And she said, Father, I grew up in the country. Nothing comes for free. I love it. You have to work for everything. That's you got to pay for everything. And he said, well, no, you don't have to pay for instructions in the faith. You know, I'm more than happy to instruct you. And my mother grew then she grew in her faith and she came to the point where on Sundays she would go to when she could this was when we finally moved into the city in California and we were only a mile from church and the kids were all grown pretty much she would go to three masses on Sundays Hmm. to make up for the masses that she hadn't been able to go to wow when she missed mass all through the years growing up so yeah make up for lost time and offer it to the Lord and there are different ways to do that When we come back, what are we going to follow up with, Mary? We're going to follow up with, I'm going to actually read you that passage from Colossians about baptism and and circumcision, and then we'll continue here about baptism and infant baptism and why it's important. Don't forget to check our website out, virginmostpowerfulradio.org. We'll be back with much more. This is Terry Barber with the Terry and Jesse Show. I'm here with Gil already. He is the president of the Catholic Men's Fellowship of California. Gil, we got a men's conference coming up. I appreciate you having me on, Terry, to share about our Rise Up, O Men of God, the Church for You Does Wait, Super Saturday Conference, and it's Saturday, March 28th in Covina at Sacred Heart Catholic Church, 344 West Workman Street in Covina, California. Who are the speakers? 
We have some great speakers lined up. We have Steve Ruda, former captain of the L.A. Fire Department. He's dynamic. Mm-hmm. He's energetic. He will really keep the conference moving. We have Monsignor Tim Nichols, the pastor from St. John Vianney's. Oh, yeah, he's, he's dynamic. Mark McElrath, Father Darren Merlino, a trained exorcist. Charlie Eshelman, a past Navy SEAL. We have Deacon Omar Uriati, who is from our parish, St. Louis de Marillac, and Father Joseph Shea. And I'll be there myself, giving a little plug for Virgin Most Powerful. You can reach us at catholicmen.org. Tickets are on sale there. Just follow the link. Tickets are on sale at eventbrite.com. Just be sure to get your tickets now till the 31st for $35 and $45 after that till the day of the conference. Sign up for this men's conference. Call Gil at 626-841-9090. I'll be sure to answer your call and give you all the information you need for the Rise Up, O Men of God, for you, the Church Does Wait conference. Thank you, Terry. Appreciate your help. God bless you. or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. I like to have fun, can you tell? Uh Mary, you know, there are people who say Catholics don't know their Bible. Well, here at the (laughs) Bible with the Barbers, you're not going to be one of those Catholics who don't know the Bible. We're going to encourage you to read it every day. Mary, you have a quote from Colossians regarding baptism. Could you share that? Yes, and this is, I, I mentioned, I re- referenced this earlier, but I'd like to read it to you. Colossians two eleven and 12. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ. Mm. And you were buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So what this circumcision, the circumcision of the new law, of the new covenant, is baptism. And in baptism, we die with Christ. And that death is a death to sin. And we rise to life with Jesus Christ. So we want to live a new life where we're transformed. And by the way, for Catholics, baptism, we believe that this grace of God actually transforms us from within that it fills us with God's grace and it makes us his children and enables us to overcome sin. This is why we say, yeah, we have the grace to overcome sin. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mr. Engineer gave us a quote from St. Augustine. You want to read it? Now, and, and Augustine is um, telling us that it wasn't the councils that invented this idea that the sacraments should be given to children. Augustine says, what the universal church holds not as instituted or invented by councils, but as something always held, is most correctly believed to have been handed down by apostolic authority. Since others respond for children, 
so that the celebration of the sacrament may be complete for them. So even though the infant can't respond himself, others stand in for their stead, their parents, their godparents. It is certainly availing to them for their consecration. Did you catch that? For their Mm -hmm. consecration, because they themselves are not able to respond. So even though the infant can't respond, they're consecrated to God through their baptism and others respond for them. And this is the same circumcision in the old law that people, you know, you were circumcised, but it was your parents who brought you for circumcision. And the same Jesus in the new Testament, he didn't abandon the children. And, and again, Luke 18, 15 through 17. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called to them saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So we're supposed to be like the little children and Jesus didn't send them away. Jesus welcomed the little children. And so too, baptism is for infants. It's not just for adults. It's for everyone who comes to believe in Jesus Christ. And when we believe in Jesus Christ and we have children, then we want to pass on to our children the grace of God. And again, the sacraments work by virtue of the work done, but they also work by virtue of the disposition of the receiver. So it's not enough just to receive the sacraments. We need to study the faith, and that's a constant study. Don't give up studying. Continue to study your faith. And by the way, you know what the work of faith is? prayer. The first work of faith is prayer. Faith is not a head knowledge of information. It's not about memorizing formulas and doctrines. Faith is a belief and it's a gift. By the way, if you don't have the gift of faith, ask God for it. My God, I want to believe it's a gift. Ask for it and then pray because prayer nurtures the gift of faith. And in baptism, we receive the virtues of faith, hope, and charity. They're theological virtues. So we pray. We should pray every day. Jesus said, pray always. And that doesn't mean we stop everything we're doing and just sit in church all day. No, it means make everything you do a prayer. So it's like, okay, Lord, I need to get up this morning and make breakfast for the family or the baby's crying. I need to change the baby's diaper and then feed the baby and then change the diaper again and then feed the baby and then (laughs) bathe the baby and And when they're little infants, it's just, that's the constant all day, 24 hours, you know, every couple of hours they need to eat and then they have to clean their diapers. And, but you know what? All of that is a prayer. And, and by the way, when you're doing that, you can think of the fact that Jesus became a little baby like that and blessed mother had to feed him and change his diaper and bathe him. And she did that. And you you then, and make it a prayer. I offer this to the Lord in obedience. I do my will in obedience to the will of God that this, I do my duty in obedience to the will of God that this is my duty. And then I offer that as a prayer. And, and the more you pray, you know, every day, what was it you said to everybody? Ask God for for the graces for the sacrament. Is that what the more faith every day? Oh uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. You should do that every single day is ask Jesus Christ for more faith every single day because your faith will not grow without asking for that. And if you don't have that gift, ask for it. Yeah. Lord, I want to believe I want to show yourself to me. He will, he will. And hope, you know, if you, the work of hope is to mortify ourselves because when we hope for heaven, we can give up the things of this world because we have everything waiting for us in heaven. 
And the gift of charity, by the way, the grace of charity, what nurtures charity is almsgiving, is serving the poor. Mary, you mentioned about changing the baby's diaper. You know, <laughs> I remember Kimberly Hahn told me once, um, she's changed a baby, a mother, go to a, to a mama who's got a young baby and say, you're changing the world one diaper at a time. Amen. And it's like, like we said earlier in our show with Terry and Jesse, every action is like a blank check. Right. And so if you offer all your actions, your you know, during the day, I mean, that's our consecration, we say at the beginning of a day. Yeah. And so this way you can really live in the presence of God. Amen. And that's, you know, the, the basis of the spiritual life is that living in the presence of God. So we receive graces in the sacraments and we need to nurture those graces through prayer and also through study of our faith. Mm-hmm. Get a copy of the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Make sure you have a scripture. Remember, scripture is God's word. It's our family heirloom. The Catholic Church gave us the Bible, so we want to study it. Because when we read the scriptures, St. Jerome said, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. When we read the scripture, we... Everything in the scripture from the first word of Genesis to the last word of the book of Revelation speaks to us of Jesus Christ and God's plan for mankind, his plan for salvation. Mary, I want to mention to people that you have a Bible study every Tuesday, which is today at 7 p.m. at the chapel. Now, for those who live in Southern California, you're within a driving distance. Great. And then on Thursday at one o'clock, you meet with a Bible study at the chapel for people who don't want to go out at night. But, you know, many Catholics have asked for Bible studies at their parishes. Would you do me a favor? Would you pass on this podcast to your friends and say, hey, you want to go to a Bible study? The Bible with the Barbers comes to your home every day. There you go. You can get this on podcast. You can, you know, listen to it over and over again if you have something you want to get corrected on. Or you can look at uh, the Virgin Most Powerful website. We have all of our shows, podcasts. That goes for all the shows on Virgin most powerful radio. But what you said about reading the Bible every day, it, it, I think it can transform someone's life because, you know, we, if you really evaluate the time we spend, and I call it time management, you know, you've heard that in business. Yeah. But think about how much time is wasted in your day. Evaluate, say, can I take 20 minutes to read my Bible? Can I take another 20 minutes to pray a rosary with my family? Of course you can, but it takes discipline too to plug that in to your schedule. But I, you know, the rewards are out of this world. Absolutely. And, and the thing is, when you read the scriptures, don't just read them for head knowledge. Mm-hmm. Pray the scriptures. Amen. Father Fessio told us a story about praying the rosary. When Father Fessio said that in his home growing up, they didn't pray, maybe grace before meals, but he doesn't remember ever having family prayer. They went to church on Sunday, but he didn't remember having family prayer. He became a Jesuit. And as a Jesuit in the novitiate, they prayed the rosary together. But once they became juniors and then further on in their studies, they were no longer, they didn't pray it together. So it was, you're on your own, you can pray it or not. And he, he'd never prayed it growing up, so he didn't continue to pray it. Well, when he was first ordained, he said he kept getting an ass- assignments to give retreats to Irish nuns. Uh. Um, now, now, this isn't in Ireland. This is in the United States of America, but sisters of Irish descent who became religious sisters in the United States. And he'd say, I'd give these retreats. And then I'd always, you know, the sisters would come in for conference to ask for spiritual direction. And, and um, when they'd come in, I'd ask them, well, sister, you know, um, are you the only vocation in your family? No, father. Oh, no. There were, you know, three or four or five, some, you know, some <laughs> of them at different amounts. Okay. And yeah. different family, but every, all of them had at least one, if not two or three vocations in the family. 
And Father was like, well, was there ever any family prayer in your family? Oh, yes, Father, we prayed the rosary every day. And one sister came in one time and said, oh, yes, Father, we prayed the rosary every day and one year for Lent. My father decided we'd pray all 15 decades for Lent every... And you know what? After Lent, he liked it so much, we just kept doing that. I love it. I love you know, and so Father was like, he's scratching his head. He's a theologian. He's got all this learning. And he's thinking, well, I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense to me. You know, I, the rosary, why would the rosary, you know... And, and so he said, he, but he started praying the rosary. He said, I'm a practical man. So he started praying the rosary every day. And he was praying the rosary every day. And one night he was praying the rosary in Harney Science Center at USF. And by the way, this is just an aside, but this was a distraction he had while he was praying the rosary. Harney Science Center was built with government money. And here he was on the fifth floor of Harney Science Center, walking back and forth, praying the rosary. It's like, oh, I'm in a government building and I'm praying the rosary. Yeah. And isn't this interesting that this building was built with government money and yet I'm praying in this, you know, anyway. But he was praying it, and as he's praying the rosary, he had a thought. Well, you know what? The rosary came to us in the form that we know it at the time of St. Dominic. So what, about a 1,000 years after Christianity started? And how many saints never prayed the rosary? And he started, you know, and he'd studied, so he knew lots of names, and he started going back for the first 1,000 years of Christianity and naming all these saints who never prayed the rosary. And finally he said, and besides which, our Blessed Mother never prayed the rosary. And he said that stop, that thought stopped him in his tracks. Now, he had to think about that. And he kept meditating on that thought for about a month. But he kept praying the rosary. And at the end of the month, he came to something. He said, our Blessed Mother never prayed the rosary because she lived the rosary. She kept all of these things and pondered them in her heart. The angel had come to her and said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And Elizabeth had said, Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And Mary treasured all of this and pondered it in her heart against the backdrop of the words of the angel. Mm-hmm. So she meditated on the life of, the, of Christ through the, words of the, through the words of the angel. And so this is what the, so when you pray this, when you read the scriptures, pray them with our blessed mother as she meditated. And you mentioned Father Fessio. He's coming to the Sacred Heart Chapel on the 15th of, uh, 14th of of uh, March for the Adoramus Conference. If you go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org, uh, you can register for that conference, or you can even call. You'll love to come. It's 877-526-2151. The theme is on the Holy Eucharist, the Easter Tritium. Praise God. The whole, it's the it's the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen. You're going to love it. Paschal mystery. Yeah, Paschal mystery. Come on down. Mary Danielle, it went by fast. I want to ask everybody to pray for us as we pray for them, that they may fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please keep us in prayer. Thank you for donations. Thank you for supporting us. Yep. And if you'd like to go to our website, go to virginmostpowerfulradio.org or call 877-526-2151. Full sheen ahead at Virgin Most Powerful. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great High Priest, May the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, 
shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin most powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.